sale, ça sentait mauvais. On dira que ça ne va rien d'anormal, du comment les déchets de malheur. wish I could do agapella singing but I can't but we were jamming to our yeah, own intro <laughs> anyway you are listening to the Ars Report on CITR Radio 101.9 FM broadcasting live from trad- traditional unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver at the UBC Point Grey campus I'm Lua Preziju and I'm here with my co-host Sarah Unju welcome back after a week um, of you know not being here it's good to be back reading break (laughs) (laughs) it was a nice break it was a good break a necessary one yes exactly we need Uh, one in the first term too but like okay (laughs) i wish um but today we will be talking about a few different things um ranging from place to dance to comics which is i know that's a pretty good range yeah (laughs) And we're going to start our show with our interview with Tom Whalen, who is a Vancouver-based artist and the curator of Lucky's Lounge. But what is Lucky's Lounge, you ask? Um, well, this is just one part of the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival that mm-hmm. is happening May 16th and 17th this year. So it is a little bit further out, but it's really cool. And if you are here, please check it out. Um, And Lucky's Lounge is an area for creative self-published writers and artists to really interact and display their work and basically lounge and, you know, meet cool people and all that. But for more information, really, that's why the point of the interview, (laughs) (laughs) let's listen to the interview and you will learn everything you need to know, including that you can actually still submit stuff to them to be to showcase your work. Nice. So... Here we go. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm a- oh my. <laughs> All right. Oops, sorry. That was the wrong file. I just oh. realized. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, what's happening? I thought we were playing an ad. Oh like, yeah, that was an ad accidentally. Oh, was it? <laughs> okay then. <laughs> well, while Lua's doing that, I'll just say that we posted about this on our Instagram too. So, like, if you're following us, you already know. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you go. Hello, everyone. I'm Lua, and I'm here with Tom Whalen from Lucky's Lounge, and we're going to talk about what is happening this year. Hello, Tom. Hello, Lua. Thanks how, for having me. How are you today? I'm fine. A little bit sleepy, but. Uh the coffee's kicking in, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so what exactly is Lucky's Lounge? Lucky's Lounge is a, a smaller show inside of the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival that happens uh, every May long weekend uh, at the Roundhouse Community Center in Yaletown. Uh, but Lucky's Lounge, whereas the entire show is more dedicated to people self-publishing their own comics or small, like, independent publishers uh, celebrating their new releases. Lucky's Lounge is dedicated 
mostly to small press publishers uh, or people who are new to self-publishing, people who not just make comics but make zines or like poetry that they publish themselves or like even collage work, anything that's self-published basically and, and that we, we it's kind of a space where we can give people who are new to self-publishing the encouragement that they need. And so this is open to anyone when they apply. Yeah. And then there's a curated content that you guys select who is going to be there, correct? Yeah, we, we have a we have a finite amount of like table space in the room itself. Um, Van Calf is like one large hall and then one gymnasium because it's in the that, that uh, it's in the roundhouse community center and then one kind of like multi-purpose room. So we're in one of the multi-purpose rooms. Um, but yeah, it's open to anyone who wants to apply. Um, and the submission deadlines are March fourth. So oh, it's, there's still time. Though. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> I'm I'm kind of going through the last like just uh, sending the word around because uh, there's been plenty of submissions so far. But uh, one of the fav- like my favorite things is like just getting submissions from people like who I have no idea about and like. That's that's kind of the focus of Lucky's Lounge in general. Like, I want to give the spotlight to, you know, people who don't usually turn up when it comes to, you know, self-publishing or, like, comics or, or zines and stuff like that. And so um, this is the third year of Lucky Lounge. Yeah, third year of Lucky's Lounge, yeah. Lucky's Lounge. And it's always, is it, has it always been connected to the Vancouver Comic um, Arts Festival, or is it the first time it's connected to that? It's, a th- it's, it's, um... It's always been presented in cooperation with uh, with Vancouver Comic Arts Festival or, or VanCAF. Um, yeah, three years ago, I was brought on to the VanCAF board, uh, and it, it was because of myself and the co-curator, Julie Mayer. Uh, we both uh, work at Lucky's Comics in Vancouver, B.C., which uh, has an extensive... Uh, section for a lot of self-published material. So that was kind of the idea is that we would bring a little bit of like the local flavor that people expect at um, at that bookstore, but uh, in a in a kind of a larger event setting. Yeah. And within the event setting, there is obviously the display where people have right their zines yeah. and stuff, Absolutely. but there's more to it, isn't there? I mean, yeah, I think there is, uh, and we try to kind of uh, we try to kind of show there's 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 more to it. Uh, the previous year, actually, we had um, like in addition to the show itself, which like Van Calf, there was like ten thousand or eleven thousand people there during the the May long weekend, uh, and it's free as well. But um, yes, there's a ton of people passing through. Ton of folks, not just from Vancouver, but traveling from like all over, just to come in either table or check the stuff out. But um, we had uh, on the Saturday night, we had a concert that was at Redgate that was all people who publish uh, or like draw, in addition to making like music or like sound art and stuff like that too. So I was trying to show the immense amount of crossover that happens in communities. Uh, either by necessity, like you have to make an album cover, <laughs> or you have to make a show poster, or just the sheer fact that there are so many people doing 
multidisciplinary work these days. Um, so that was my attempt to kind of like tie together, you know, people who work in all these different mediums and not just, you know, highlight there's awesome stuff being self-published, but also there's awesome artists everywhere in, in Vancouver. So, um, yeah. But this year we're not doing a concert. We're doing something a little bit different. I can't really announce it yet. Oh, my. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, all I can say is uh, the last few years, I mean, it's always been called Lucky's Lounge, but the last few years have been a bit cramped in table space. And this year we, we've we found a way to truly emphasize the lounge portion and oh, okay. uh, allow people to relax while um, they're perusing uh, all of our exhibitors' uh, art. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And so why do you, do you decide, guys decide to do that this year? Uh, I, I think because uh, last year was the first time that I had ever run a exit survey for uh, the exhibitors, which is something that uh, if you're listening and you <laughs> ever put together any kind of event or like convention with a lot of people, that's your lifeblood. You want to make sure they're happy. Uh, and so ask them not just during the event or before the event, but ask them after too how it went, honestly, because um, the info I got was super valuable. I like put on this show, but I don't table really. You know, I'm not selling my stuff and uh, it's I have to put a lot of energy into thinking like what it would be like in their shoes, you know, having to show your creative work in public and uh, yeah. And so they were the, the the biggest thing I got back was like it was a little bit too cramped, so. And so this year, or did you reduce? Are you going to reduce the amount of? We took uh, like tables, two or three tables out. Okay, oh that's but, not too bad. Yeah, which I mean, it's unfortunate we can't have as many people in, but um, yeah, I think overall it'll be more comfortable for everyone. And so really, this is basically a space for creative minds to interact and you know learn about each other's work and enjoy each other's company yeah definitely i mean this community already exists in vancouver um uh in one form or another either through people you know buying each other's zines and comics or seeing artist works on instagram but um yeah just giving a physical space to that community for a weekend and and seeing what happens and so are there any other events within the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival that with Lucky Lounge? Um, this year, not really. Uh, I Although I think we will have some panels, uh, possibly, and workshops. Uh, we have a uh, special guest, uh, Anya Davidson, uh, who is an awesome uh, artist. He's been published uh, from, like, uh, Fanographics, this awesome... Uh, publisher in Seattle and so uh, among other publishers too so she's coming up from Chicago she's our special guest well, that's awesome. basically <laughs> yeah the 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 festival proper has like multiple special guests but this is the first time we've actually wrangled our own special guest and uh, yeah so sh I think she'll be putting on a panel and a workshop of some kind um, but uh, yeah typically we have one or two panels where we have like an artist moderated on a general subject. Last year we had one uh, all around uh, the concept of mental health, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I expect uh, one or two panels and they'll just be held in an adjacent room. So the whole like Lucky's Lounge area of the building will be very clear to <laughs> see, you know, like where it is. Um, 
yeah the first few years it uh it was it was new and uh, it was kind of underpopulated and a lot of folks would go there to get out of like the super crowded exhibition <laughs> hall because there would just be so many people so uh I, I like that function as well being a kind of chill out space perfect yeah and so can you remind us when it's happening yeah totally. where you can find all that information and if you need to buy any tickets tickets uh are free uh yeah just uh it's open to the public uh lucky's lounge at van calf 2020 is happening friday may 15th and saturday may 16th from 10 a.m to 5 p.m at the roundhouse community center in neil town and if you want to table at lucky's lounge if you want to show off your stuff uh the deadline uh is march 4th so there still is time uh you can read more about uh Van Calf at our website www.vancalf.com and if you want to apply to Lucky's Lounge you can email us at luckyslounge at vancalf.com Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hello, and we're back. So, Lucky's Lounge <laughs> I'm really sorry. Continue. <laughs> Lucky's Lounge is happening in a few weeks from now. So you do have some time to, you know, get your stuff together, um, submit anything that you might want. So the deadline is next Wednesday uh, and we will remind you guys of it um, on our next show. But there is a lot going on this week in the city, which is really exciting. Actually, there's so much going on that we wish we could like go to everything and explain everything and, you know, like spend so much time on everything that's going on. But let me tell you, someone told me, two weeks ago that vancouver was boring and i was like how dare <laughs> the audacity <laughs> oh just because God. you don't know what's going on doesn't mean the city's boring there's always so much going on all you need to do is look a little bit and you'll find it or you can just listen to our show and we'll give you like the already yeah. like chewed up not chewed up not like, chewed up <laughs> that sounds bad <laughs> <laughs> you know like you know what i mean like when baby birds baby chew their food to give their babies yeah like we were that? like the curated content there oh, we go yes that's i feel that's like that's <laughs> much better <laughs> that's much better that was a terrible analogy anyway <laughs> um one of the things that we, i want to talk about today that i'm really excited about um unfortunately I won't be attending we won't be attending but um is a really cool thing if you do have a chance to go is the coastal dance festival which is happening today from today until march 1st this sunday nice and you know us we love dance anything that's dance related we're on it um <laughs> yeah yep. i'll talk i'll <laughs> yeah. talk more about dance there's a, a, a few more things about dance i mean the vancouver international dance festival is also coming up but Ooh. we'll talk about that later anyway the coast of dance festival um is taking place at the museum of anthropology here at ubc and the anvil center and new west so this year's edition focuses on the future of Indigenous culture and celebration of Indigenous youth, which is, you know, really cool. And making their festival debut is New Zealand's Tuakana and Taina Leadership Academy group. And these are these are companies of young artists age 5 to 18, 5 to 18, like five, five, five to 18 who are cultivating and learning and leadership through shared teachings. And oh the work they will be performing is choreographed by two senior members uh, who have been with the group since the age of 12. Mm -hmm. So um, that's some really cool stuff. Like, And to see a group like this progress from, you know, like you dance is something that once you start dancing, it's 
it's very hard to stop and yes. dance becomes really your entire life and that's not a bad thing i say no, that with as well as a very good, good thing. thing yeah like there is a there is a harmony in dance there is a, a technique in dance and there is something that this is from a dancer these are from the, okay <laughs> biased opinion these are two dancers talking here but <laughs> dance has changed my life in so many yes, different ways same. um it just has given me so many opportunities and it has given me so many just consciousness of my own body and of my own person like my yeah. awareness of self is just enhanced because i'm i was forced to learn it to dance yeah and also like i feel like the one of the best things that ballet um helped me is discipline because dance you need to be you know you need to have discipline for a dance and it helps you a lot in life in general no matter what you're doing you're working going to school or like even if you're not doing anything and, and you think that it's not a workout it's oh such it a definitely workout. is for sure yeah <laughs> but so the coastal dance festival again happening until this sunday um most events that happened at moa have already happened unfortunately but there are still plenty uh, of events that are taking place at the anvil center so go check it out i mean it is the weekend so you do you hopefully you have some time off to you yes. know enjoy some stuff in the city and then also this weekend grupo corpo which is a brazilian dance group will be performing friday and saturday okay. at the vancouver playhouse and we will actually be attending that okay. one and we will be reviewing it next week we're very excited for that one um, and this is going to be the Vancouver premiere of Danza Sinfonica and Gira, which are two performances that are going to be happening back to back with an intermission in the middle um, by the Grupo Corpo, mm -hmm. which is a, a, a Brazilian yeah. company, like dance company. Um, and so there's a two part program envisioned by the artistic director Paulo Pedernidas and choreographed by Rodrigo Pedernidas. So they're brothers that work together, which is really cool. Like, I wish my sister was a dancer too. <laughs> She's not. Um, so I, I took dancing. She took soccer. You know what? It happens. Yeah, my brother doesn't dance either. <laughs> I dance, he draws. That's good. That's, it's a good balance. A good yeah. artistic balance. Um, so about Grupo Corpo and about their performance, the first half of the performance is Danza Sinfonica. And Danza Sinfonica is a reflection of the company's 40-year history, and it's drawing on fusion of ballet, samba, jazz, and Afro-Brazilian rhythms, which sounds all very exciting, and is really an exploration of um, how it has changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, Brazilian rhythms are very uniquely Brazilian, and I love them so much. <laughs> um, and so it's going to be really cool to see a combination of all those, especially with ballet in the middle, because I'm really curious to see how you're going to incorporate ballet with um, Afro-Brazilian beats, which are so um, a lot heavier than ballet beats yeah. usually. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then the second half of the program uh, will be showcasing Gira, which explores the rituals of Umbanda. And Umbanda is an Afro-Brazilian religion. Um, that has multiple gods, orishas. Um, I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's an Afro-Brazilian religion that is very much alive and very much thriving. Um, and in exploring Umbanda, um, this is going to be a carnal meditation on humanity's pursuit for divine enlightenment. So that sounds intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> 
very curious to see how they do it. I hope Sarah doesn't cry. I uh, yep, I hope so too. If you've been listening a while, you know. And so, I tend to cry. <laughs> and so, just to translate, danza sinfonica literally means symphonic, symphonic dance, so like harmonious dance. Mm-hmm. And then gira literally means like twirl or turn around or mm-hmm. twist. Um, so you know, should be fun. So now we're going to go into a, a quick PSA and app break. Yep. And when we come back, we are going to hear a review from Sarah on gruesome playground injuries, right? Yes. Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you got to check. <laughs> okay. So here you go. Uh, I add in a PSA break and we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do life. it wrong. I'm about to spit yeah. in this <laughs> mic like... <laughs> Freestyle elfin, you know? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Wait, hold on. Does this make sense? <laughs> <laughs> no, but who cares? All right, let's go. <clears throat> Finally, we... <laughs> You're not even going to last. All right. Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival, fountain, just back from France, Montreal. <laughs> what the f***? What? Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival. <laughs> Fountain okay, just wait. back from France. What are you even saying here? Oh, you're trying to say these are the things featured yeah, yeah, in this one. You should probably specify that. Because even a fucking elf couldn't understand that, okay? Think you can do better than an elf? At CITR, we want to have a variety of voices on the air. Want to write scripts? Do some voice acting? Broadcast your creativity? Volunteer with the CITR production department. No experience? We can also train you in everything required. Send an email to psas at citr.ca to learn more. And don't wait to get your voice on the air. Have you ever thought about going abroad to study, work, volunteer, or learn a new language? Mark Tuesday, March 3rd in your calendar and get down to the Vancouver Convention Center East Building to find out how. All the experts under one roof, top universities, gap year specialists, and student travel organizations. Feature seminar starts at 1 p.m. and expo opens at 2 p.m. Admission is free. Check online at www.studyandgoabroad.com for more info. Hi! <laughs> We're back! Um, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that at NPSA break. And we're actually here with a new correspondent. <laughs> Yay! We Hello, Nicholas. Yes. <laughs> we're so happy you can join us. Hi, Thanks. would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Nick. Yes. Um, I'm a third year student at UBC. And Sarah and me have been friends for a while. Yep. Through Italian class. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, through Italian. I told him to come and join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I thought, why not give it a try? We went to play together. And, yeah. Right, exactly. And we're going to be doing the review together. I'm really excited to have someone else with me besides <laughs> Loa to do a review because like, I feel like, you know, it might get a little too same after a while for tiring. people listening. No, not tiring. It's just... I don't know, too much of us, <laughs> not much of other people. Anyways, um, so we saw before the reading break, so it's been a while since we see it, yeah. since we saw it. Um, it's by Untold Once Theatre. The play's name was Gruesome Playground Injuries. <laughs> and, well, as you can guess, this play um, 
starts with a gruesome playground injury. What is the so, gruesome playground injury? Um, it was... How gruesome so, is it? Wait, I'll tell you. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> so it's a one-act play with two actors, and the characters' names are Doug and Kayleen. And so the play starts when they were eight, and they meet at the nurse's office because they both had some like type of injury. Um, Kayleen was feeling nauseous, and Doug had... What did dog do? Um, what do you call it? I cannot remember mm. the word right now. Like split open. Supercilio. Oh. <laughs> it's what it's called in Portuguese. <laughs> not a, not a, <laughs> I can say in German. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's just like a wound on his head. Yeah, like, he has. Like above his eyebrow. Yeah, above yeah. his eyebrow, basically. And so, anyways, so they meet through that. And then Doug is very chill about it. And he's like, hey, you want to touch it? <laughs> Kaylee's <laughs> like sure so that's how they become friends yeah so they're basically they're like both really weird so, and that's how they connect <laughs> they're both kind of like you know outsiders in a way kind of yeah. strange so like yeah when it started it was like already kind of was like mm, okay i don't okay. know where this is going yeah but yeah no okay go on sorry <laughs> no, no, no talk as much as you want <laughs> um anyway so the play um it shows these two people coming back together after like some time apart within 30 years so the play looks at them like starting from eight years old until they're 38 years old and this is like you know it's like eight 23 13 and then mm -hmm. 28 years old stuff like that goes on and then um the thing is each time they meet like get back together it's because of an injury or something that happened and usually this injury happens to Doug because he is very reckless and he tends to injure himself a lot and then Kayleen is kind of like the healer let's say for example mm. like every time she touch touches his wounds he like um recovers but like one time she doesn't he gets a permanent injury or something it's really interesting okay. and yeah. then yeah Th that's kind of like a motive right like yeah because yeah as you said whenever she touches the wound it got better so like it turned to kind of like a superstition yeah and so like it's like interesting how sometimes like he was like no you need to touch it, you need to touch it so it gets better so he was like very paranoid about it yeah. then at another point it was her who was like, no, let me touch it, please. Mm -hmm. I want to help you. But he was like, no, leave me alone. So it was like, this like motive was taken up again. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like something that I want to say, <laughs> leading from that is that their relationship is kind of rocky because, I mean, it's not a relationship. They're not in a relationship. They're friends. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that they love each other. And, but they're like characteristically... Doug is more open and Kayleen is very closed. And I feel like they did a really good job showing that because even in the beginning, like when they're eight years old, Kayleen like doesn't say anything about why she's nauseous or why she's at the nurse's office. She's just asking Doug stuff and Doug is just talking all the time. And then this kind of this is consistent, you know, along the 30 years. And then um yeah, I just thought that was really good. Anyway, so, like, the play in general, to be fully honest, I thought it started out pretty slow. I don't know what you think. <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, it felt like they weren't really in character in the beginning because, well, 
first of all, they were fully grown adults playing eight-year-olds. So, I mean, how much can you get into character with that? But, like, after a while, it picked up. And after it picked up, I thought it was very well done because they were able to show the characters. I mean, it was just the two of them. So they portrayed the... Like, they showed the story very well. And I also feel like they were able to show the complicated relationship they have and all the emotions that come with it. And I don't know, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think actually, well, I don't have as much experience as you, but to (laughs) me, the acting seemed very good. Like, I was really Mm -hmm. able to, like, feel the emotions that they portrayed. Um, And, yeah, they had, like, a very intimate relationship. And I think we're probably going to talk about it. Um, these like little intermissions between the scenes, yeah, where they like interact with each other. So they like do their makeup and stuff, and they like undress each other and that kind of stuff. And like it just really created this like intimate bond between them. That thing like worked really well for the play overall. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like at the beginning, like the the very first scene, mm-hmm. that was a bit like estranged from it because yeah. uh, it seemed also like they were kind of like memorizing their lines and just saying them oh yeah like it took it took them like a little bit i think to get into it mm-hmm. it was like a bit like how do you say like stock no not stocky like <laughs> <laughs> mechanical yeah a bit mechanical yeah. Yeah, yeah i felt that too um it's the beginning but i think that got better like very fast mm-hmm. um yeah but i think overall like the emotions were very strong maybe even a little bit too much at times <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at one point I was like, Sarah, you cannot cry. This is literally not a play that w- where you're supposed to cry. <laughs> and I was like, hold them back tears. <laughs> yeah, also... That sounds about right. Yeah, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> literally talked about me crying before the ad break. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for the one you saw in New York. Yeah. What? The one you saw in New York. No, yeah. no. that's a whole other story. <laughs> Just cry too much. <laughs> I do. What Theater makes me happy. And, and there's dance nothing wrong with happy. crying. No. Yes. Exactly. Let your emotions it's out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, Nicholas told about it a little. Um, the intermissions that he said, they're actually the like the set changes and the costume changes mm. between scenes. So because there was just the two of them and there was literally like no one, no stagehand, no person that was helping with the set changes mm. or something like that, they were on the stage they were changing their costumes and they were putting each other makeup if it was needed or, you know, they were helping each other move the set or something like that. And then this wasn't done like in complete silence. So it wasn't awkward. There was like a mm. guitar instrumental music playing in the background. And it's, it was still a little bit awkward at the beginning, well, I think. Yeah. Used to the yeah. first two times I felt I was like, yeah, oh, OK, this yeah. is dragging out a little. Come on. But like after a while. I kind of like started watching what they were doing too. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know, just like you said, I feel like that added more to it mm-hmm. because they were still even though they were in between scenes and they were basically just changing costumes and adjusting themselves to the next scene, they were still acting. Yeah. So Yeah, and I also think it was a good way to kind of how how do you say like to manage this time difference between the mm-hmm. scenes so yeah. because sometimes it felt very long when they like were changing what like their clothes and mm-hmm. she was putting on a wound on him and stuff mm-hmm. um so it felt very long but i think it's good because we were talking about like 
distances from like 13 to let's say 25 years yeah. or, or whatever yeah they right? jumped quite a lot yeah it, it yeah. went back and forth so it was like they started with eight years old and they continued to 23 and then right. went back to 13 and then what did you, what did you think about that that they like I've it wasn't like chronicle yeah, in that sense i expected it to be in chronological order yeah. and then the first like th the first three times i was like okay i can <laughs> maybe get used to this but then mm. i got used to it and it was really cool at the end because when they did a flashback it like added more to the story it like added mm. background to like another other story points. so basically connected <laughs> yeah a lot it connected all okay. yeah it yeah, connected yeah. them and i was like oh my god this is so smart wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great play yeah, yeah i don't know it was just yeah i thought it was good mm -hmm. you thought it was good yeah i think it was an interesting idea um yeah. I, i think at times I, i was kind of wishing like it would just be more like chronological mm -hmm. so i get behind it more but mm -hmm. like Because they also didn't know like how many more scenes would come after that, like how much, how many more times would it like yeah. shift around in time. But I think, yeah, overall, I think it was an interesting idea. Also, when you saw how the relationship turned out at a later point, and then mm -hmm. as you said, going back and kind of getting the references that they made in this later age. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was an interesting twist on it. Yep, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And this was Nick's first review. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he was very nervous walking in here, but I think yeah. he nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Did so much better than my first review. Oh, same. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> my first review? Terrible. Oh, no. I talked about crying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so another play we watched, um, and this one was also before the reading break, but it's still going on um, until March 7th, so next week. Oh, Cypher. It's Cypher. Um, by the Arts Club, uh, putting it being put on by the Arts Club at the Granville Island stage. Nice. So Cypher is a original play written um, and it's being produced between the Arts Club and v Vertical Theatre, which is Calgary based. And they're coming together to produce it. And yeah, basically that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start my review now, but we're going to have to take a quick PSA and ad break in a bit. And then I'm going to continue it after our little break. Mm -hmm. And so Cypher, it's, it was intense. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so Cypher is an original screenplay, not screenplay, screenplays is for movie. Um, it's original play written by, um, Ellen Close and I am, yeah, <laughs> Brandon Griffins. And they are also both actors in the play, which is not that common. Like, you don't see that that often. And I thought it was really cool. But this play tells a murder mystery story. Ooh. So Vertigo Theater is actually a theater company that does... Um, That dedicates itself to producing the mystery genre for over 40 years now. And um, in the past, they have done a lot of things that are, you know, not new, but they now kind of decided that, you know, like we want to highlight new plays, new voices, new things. And so Cypher was born. And so mystery, murder mystery more specifically, and murder mystery in theater, which is something that's hard to do. Well, mystery is hard to do in theater just in general. It's not a genre that you see very often. And it's always really fun to see it done because it's always so creative and so 
innovative every time because unlike movies you don't have the privilege of like cutting to mm-hmm. right you don't have the the let's zoom into a hand let's zoom into a piece of text like you don't have any of that so how do you portray all that mystery how do you portray all that tension on the stage live in front of an audience so going in i already have certain expectations i was like this is going to be a very like intense but cool you know like Hopefully not super emotional because I was not ready for that. <laughs> oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, so it starts as a murder mystery, yeah. but then it becomes a conspiracy theory kind oh, of damn. thing. Very cool stuff. So the way the plot, pl- plot evolves is very well planned out and it's very well made. But let me preview the plot. Mm-hmm. So in 1956 in Victoria, BC, a man's body is discovered near a beach at Beacon, Beacon Hill Park. And that's this body is going to be known as the Beacon Hill Park body. And there's no signs of struggle. No one really knows the cause of death. And um, inside this man's jacket sleeve is a... Sewed, sewed in to this jacket sleeve is a single word um, from the Rubaiyat, Taman Shud, which translates to finished. To finished? Finished. Oh, okay. And a week later, after the body is discovered, a copy of the Rubaiyat with the fi- that final word cut out, torn out, is discovered. And a complicated code is written on the back. Mm-hmm. So it's a cipher written on that the back of that Rubaiyat. Mm. And 40 year, however many years, from 56 to 2019, um, no one has figured it out. And so... Um, Grace Goddard, which is who is a toxicology professor, is obsessed with this case, and she's tried to solve it in so many different ways, but she hasn't been able to figure it out. Oh, okay. And she is the kind of professor that I've had that professor, <laughs> and the play actually starts with one of her lectures, and she's lecturing lecturing at the audience, and I was like, I oh. did not sign up. <laughs> my, my first time, I was like, I did not sign up to go back to school. <laughs> like, what was she lecturing? <laughs> she was lecturing on toxicology. Oh. So it was actually pretty interesting um, talking about, like, the, you know, like, there are poisons that, you know, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, so she's obsessed with this case. But she, there are no new clues. There's nothing that, you know, can really be shown to be, like, oh, this is the cause of death. Mm-hmm. And... Basically, it's a dead end. But she does assign the case as a bonus assignment for all her students. Oh. And whoever um, gets the closest to, you know, what she thinks is the right answer is going to get the bonus points. Because she is the kind of professor that is like, don't ask me questions. It's rich on the syllabus kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) So who hasn't had a professor like that before? (laughs) And at first, she is very unlikable. Like, straight up unlikable. I was like... I I cannot like mm-hmm. if I had this professor I would die. <laughs> drop out. Drop out. <laughs> um and so but then it kind of takes a turn of events where she meets this guy mm-hmm. um this who we th- initially think is her student and she's like I'm not going to go for drinks with you. You're my student. But then he's not her student. And they, he's also kind of obsessed with this murder mystery, but his reasons 
are because he feels that he is like actually personally connected to this mystery. Oh. He thinks that his grandma was the woman in the story, related, like the lover mm-hmm. of the Beacon Hill body. And he wants to try to figure out to understand his own background. And so that's where kind of like the plot takes off, right? Okay. They meet, um, they become, they do become romantic partners. Um, and the cipher is really the big turning point because he's a like an IT guy and he creates this code. Um, so he gives her two options. We can do this the legal way and the not so legal way. Because <laughs> <laughs> he creates this code that um, is going to go through. Basically, they figure out the first cipher, but there's a second cipher, which is something about... I can't remember exactly. I was too involved in the other aspects of the plot. <laughs> but something about matching the words to other words in other texts. So basically, this computer program is going to sort through every single text in the history of existence uh, to try to find the matching words to whatever cipher, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay. You get the idea. <laughs> the technicalities are not important. Nope. The thing is, to do that quickly, the power that you need is ridiculous. So the legal way is to ask permission for the university to, you know, do this research on yeah. the big computers and the network. The not so legal way is to basically send a virus to like all our friends and family. Um, what? So your computer uses like runs this program in the background. And so because she, um, Ellen, doesn't want the research to be found out. They do the not-so-legal way. Oof. Yeah. And that's when the conspiracy theories come into play. Yeah. And so there are a number of different theories, a number of different approaches that they try to go for. But what this play is really about, and you don't really realize it until the end, it's about race. And it's about racism. And it's about systematic, very incredibly systematic um, racism because the men <coughs> sorry him the man um Praneet is his name he um i believe he's indian i believe that's yeah he's indian um and that i don't know it's because it's the thing is like i came into this place like oh it's going to be a murder mystery it's going to be kind of fun and i left with this like heavy burden on my shoulders of like this way too real oh. right because at the end like all these moments is her being like let's do this let's do that but he's the one that's enabling it because he's the one that has the capacity to create this code and i don't want to like spoil it but his race does come into play within the conspiracy theories and all that because I don't want to spoil it. It's so hard to not spoil this. Okay, I'm going to stop there. We're going to go on a PSA and ad break. I'm going to recompose my thoughts so I can't not spoil it for you because I do want you guys to watch it. And maybe if you're like, oh, I'm not going to watch, like, you can't watch this play this week and you're like, Lua, I really want to know what happened. Email us, yeah. <laughs> message us on Facebook or Instagram, and I'll, we'll have chat. Or also Twitter. We have Twitter. Or Twitter. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, let's go on a quick Adam PSA break. And when we come back, I'm going to finish talking about more than just the plot because the plot <laughs> was really complex. So, I took a while on that. Mm-hmm. 
Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival presents a climbing show featuring local climbers Kim and Graham McGrenery, who will talk about their adventures in Armenia, along with films from around the globe. The VIMFF will also present a ski program with local producer Ruben Krabbe, who will show his mind-blowing ski photographs and his short film Nebula. February 25th and 27th at 7.30, Frederick Wood Theatre at UBC. Tickets at www.vimff.org. Um, excuse me, hi, I was wondering how I maybe might potentially get to be on the radio? Oh, word, yeah, you can do that at CITR and Discorder. I'm sorry? You can cover events and issues in the city and interview people, or you could join a collective and work with people with similar interests to make a show collaboratively. Maybe make a few friends. Oh, wow, that sounds superb. Totally. Just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. Oh, I definitely will. Thank you so much. And Hi. we're back. And so back to Cypher. Yep, <laughs> back to Cypher. Back to Cypher. Um, so, um, okay, we already went over the plot. I'm not going to do that again. But what were the really good things about this play? First, it really caught me by surprise. It was very, very not innovative playwriting. Um, very cool stuff that something that I wasn't expecting at all. Like I was really expecting a mystery story. And then all of a sudden it came, became this very real, very intense narration where i was actually like fearing for the people's lives like the okay. characters lives um very intense very beautifully written other than that the set design absolute props to the set designer who is it um mm, oh my god <laughs> there's so many pages to this yeah. <laughs> program do you want me to check Oh, okay. Narda McCarroll okay. is a set designer, but it wasn't only about the set. It was also about projections because there were projections on the set Okay. Um, with Jamie, production designer Jamie Nisbet. And there were also, there was also this beautiful, beautiful lighting all the time by Jardat Sharif. And um, it was just this beautiful setting completely made of doors that switched around and you are constantly being brought back and forth between the story, uh, like the mystery, mm -hmm. you know, like you see the, the, the Beacon Hill body and the woman and the present. And so you're constantly like in between these two worlds and the lighting and the projections and the set design enhanced that so much. It made it made everything like tied everything together with a really beautiful big bow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so in addition to all of that, um, choreography the choreography i was not expecting to see dance what? in this play i was gonna say what do you mean choreography <laughs> the choreography <gasps> the bacon hail body and the woman um slash nurse that's what she's called they are silent um they do not speak at any point in the play but their speaking is absolutely not necessary because they are beautiful gorgeous stunning dancers very simple choreography like there's nothing like pirouettes or anything like that it's just about the very clear simple movements and not movements just of like the single body but movements within the space and movement mm -hmm. working together 
between like the two bodies and it was just like such beautiful choreography that enhanced the storytelling so much that I wanted to cry just for that simple like <laughs> dancing <laughs> again a little bit of bias but but I mean <laughs> but it was very good dancing it was because ve- it, it wasn't dancing like in the sense of like oh I'm gonna like dance like it was just like this very like choreographed movement but it wasn't mechanical it flowed exactly it flowed very well and so overall cypher is a great play i would not recommend if you you know maybe it's it might be a little bit too much for someone that you know is dealing with this constantly um it is it does get heavy towards the end but it starts off on a lighter foot, I would say, and it kind of like gets heavier towards the end. But absolutely, if you go to this play to just watch people move, it's already worth it. <laughs> nice. I am obsessed with movement, so maybe yeah. maybe there's a little bit there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a dancer and you're like, hey, I want to start, you know, watching more theater, I guess you can start with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to conclude our show, the Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival is happening um, today and tomorrow here at the Frederick Wood Theater at UBC. Ooh. And this is not just a film festival, which is pretty cool. They also have a photography component um, to it. And some of the stuff that's featured in it are... Are so there are two like shows. One of them is the ski show, and the other one is the climbing show. So ski show is um, well, ski. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> let me start with climbing show instead. Never mind. So the climbing show is tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. So this. Okay, I don't know. You know what? Today we're both having problems <laughs> with words. <laughs> so Kim and Graham McGreenier, I hope I pronounced that right. They are apparently obsessed with climbing. They have been for over 25 years, like combined. And they have worked in like climbing, they've thought. So they travel a lot. And basically, you know you can understand why this is called the climbing show. Um, So they traveled across the planet to join adventures from four other countries and launch Project Armenia. They focused on the rolling hills of Dilijan, I don't know how to pronounce that, Dilijan National Park in northern Armenia with, you know, nearly 18 kilometers of broadleaf forests far below and then apparently rock climbing is still very new in Armenia so these cliffs have never been explored which I think as a climber would be something really exciting so we're not climbers but you know no we're not we're putting our our, like our feet in people's other people's shoes (laughs) yes exactly yep yep (laughs) and so this is a story of you know new adventures collaboration discovery culture and just contributing to a growing movement of climbing around the world and then this program also includes the north american premiere of climbing blind from the uk uh, which is drastic but dressed 
directed by Alistair Lee. And so Jesse Dufton is a British climber affected from birth by a degenerative disease where he can only distinguish between light and dark. But oh, despite yeah. his condition, um, Jesse takes on the ambitious challenge of attempting to be the first blind person to climb the Old Man of Hoy, a 137-meter-high sandstone monolith that you know practically emerges from the sea in the Orkney uh, Islands. And apparently this won a grand prize at the 2019 Kendall Mountain Festival, which is impressive. And... Yeah, it's. I feel like this is very inspiring, especially if you're into um, um, mountains. Okay, this is, I don't <laughs> mountain know climbing. <laughs> mountain well, climbing. Well, this is the, the the Vancouver International Mountain yeah. Film Festival, and so I mean, it's very fitting for Vancouver. Yes, you it know, is. it's it's. We have some great mountains, <laughs> and not only that, like we have a really strong like mountain climbing. Um, community and yeah. a really strong mountain climbing culture which is really cool and like this this um film festival is really showcasing the kind of climbing that happens that well it shows a community that's not just here you know yeah. there's a community that happens that is worldwide and it's really cool and so another thing that's um also taking place and that is a presentation of the film nebula which documents a last part of a trilogy of images which started in 2013. And so if you want to check it out, it's happening today and tomorrow. Um, it should be a really interesting, fun time. And yeah, that's that's about it for our show today. Um, tune in next week. We'll have reviews and we'll have interviews. I mean, we have a lot of stuff yeah, always. Yeah, um, we always have a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, the which city never stops. Yeah, we, we want to get as much content out as possible for you. And so thank you so much for tuning in today and see you. Hope you listen to us next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.